Hey everybody, Matt Johnson here, the creator and director of New Frequency, welcoming you to another episode of our exciting radio drama podcast. It is the first Sunday in December, and on the program for you tonight, we have a wonderful Christmas noir called They Tell Me You Are Crooked. We love this piece here at New Frequency. It's one of our favorites. It's about Private Eye Donald Davies in 1940s Chicago and the adventures that he has. And this one was set at Christmas time. Snow, chili, Santa, a murder, twist and turns, everything that a good detective noir has. One of the interesting things is we actually had several actors play Private Eye Donald Davies before, but this recording is special because it actually stars the writer of the piece, James Napoli. James is so good at being able to convey emotion and images with words only, that that chilly Chicago air, the mysterious adventures of Private Eye Donald Davies as he dives deeper and deeper into trying to solve a puzzle. He's really great at that. Plus, this is just a great series. Next week, we're actually going to have another Christmas noir in the Tell Me You Were Crooked canon, another story from Private Eye Donald Davies that you won't want to miss. But first, got to check this one out, the original, set in 1946 Chicago. It is called They Tell Me You Are Crooked. Enjoy. New Frequency, a theater of the mind on the air. On the air. In three. Pretty clever. In two. Overcome by a dreadful, dreadful precaution. In one. New Frequency. It's like nothing I have ever experienced. And now we're going to change moods a little bit here at the New Frequency program by taking you back to 1940s Chicago, the Windy City, a place where Jack Frost truly nips at your nose, and there's intrigue and mystery around every corner in They Tell Me You Are Crooked. My name is Donald Davies, private investigator. Originally from the middle of nowhere, currently a resident of Chi-Town, the Windy City. Hog butcher for the world, as Carl Sandburg once said. My office overlooks Wacker Drive and I don't want any comments from the peanut gallery. I'm staring at the frosted glass of my office door where the letters of my name are just as cracked and hard to read backwards. It's only mid-morning, but I'm thinking of packing it in. I don't think the city needs my services at this time of year. See, it's December 24th, 1946, which means it'll be some hogs, but mostly turkeys butchered tonight for Christmas. The war's over a year now, so the women have lost all the good jobs. I'll tell you, snagging a woman stateside from 1943 to 1945 was like shooting fish in a barrel. I was, I guess you could say, lucky. Lucky as in it hurts every time I move my left shoulder but I got shot up in Italy and discharged only eight months into the conflict and came home. Well, the boys slowly trickled back toward the end of 45, and there went my days as a Casanova. Who am I kidding? Even when I had my pick, I was lonely. Then and now. Best I can hope for is the occasional life raft. From the looks of the silhouette standing outside my office door, I was being thrown one hell of a Christmas Eve raft. Her shadow looked like a tall, upright snake that had swallowed a mongoose and let it settle in all the right places. Come in. 
Hello. Mr. Davies, I'm Esther Prynne. Esther, huh? That's right, and you can lay off the scarlet letter jokes. I have heard them all. I bet you've heard a lot more than that. Sometimes I think they invented the wolf whistle just for me. Uh Uh-huh. What can I do for you? I mean, it's Christmas Eve, and I was going to knock off early, and and maybe... And do what? I don't know. Bow down and be thankful for God's blessing? (laughs) I doubt it. Gee, you know me so well, and we just met. It's been my experience that men are fairly transparent. Funny, that's been my experience, too. Hmm. Actually, I was hoping to watch Hourglass tonight. Special Christmas show, Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Peggy Lee, too. You can afford a television? Well, a guy I know. Hmm. A bartender I know, actually. Lovely. Well, take your pick, Mr. Davies. Christmas Eve in a bar with all your lonely, pitiful, sad, drunken cronies. Or bowing down and being thankful for Esther Prynne's blessing. Yeah, what blessing is that? I believe blessings come in green at Christmas. She threw a stack of bills on my desk that may well have killed the roach underneath them. Hey, whoa, whoa. I only get 25 a day plus expenses, Esther. This is ten times that. It's worth it to me, as long as it's no questions asked. Hey, 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 look. I work in cooperation with Chicago's finest law enforcement officer. Spare me. I want your promise that when you work for me, it goes no further. Hmm. Just a minute. I gotta give that some thought. Okay, I promise. Thank heavens, because frankly, I tried all the other private eyes, and they were all closed today. Uh Uh-huh. You sure know how to make a fella feel all puffed up inside. Do a good job puffing up a fellow's outside, too. Yeah, I told you. I told you I heard it all, gumshoe. Well, she moved on me like a cat on a wadded-up ball of paper. We work together. I don't need to hear any more comments about my appeal to the opposite sex, all right? Uh, before I knew it, one leg was behind my chair, and the other one was driving the spike of its high heel into my shoe. She yanked my bad arm around behind me and squeezed my cheeks hard between her limber alabaster fingers. I said, all right. Okay, okay, I get you. All right, then. Jeez. Where'd you learn moves like that? I come from a circus family. Right. I had a million snappy comebacks ready for that one, but I knew that part of our relationship was over. She was beautiful. I knew it. She knew it. There would be no more discussion. My husband is having an affair. I need you to follow him. Find out who he's shacking up with. Yeah, you got a picture of this guy? Here. Now you see why I require secrecy? Huh. Picture's worth a thousand words. Esther's husband was District Attorney Adam Larson. Old money, old power. The DA is supposed to represent the people... What do you suppose the people would do if they knew what District Attorney Larson was up to? Esther, something tells me this is about more than the few bucks you're paying me. You want to bring down an empire. What's it to you? Nothing, I guess. You don't use your husband's last name, huh? I had a career in entertainment before we were married. I like to succeed on my own merits. You think that'll ever catch on? (laughs) Times change. This afternoon you'll find my no-good husband down at Marshall Fields. Every year he's part of the charity ball there, dresses up as Santa. Our two kids will be there with him. They get a kick out of their skinny daddy with a big belly and a beard. This year he's letting them dress up as his elves. Gee whiz, Esther, he doesn't sound all that bad. The kids get all his love. I get... Just forget it. Go find him, follow him, see where he goes, who he's with. Yeah, will do. Anything else, ma'am? Yes, Mr. Davies. Merry Christmas. The Marshall Fields over on State Street was chock-a-block full of people ready to shell out part of their newfound post-war prosperity. 
District Attorney Adam Larson was part of a big Santa's village, rotating St. Nick duties with various city employees in the aid of charity. Larson sure was a skinny little guy. He really had to work to look fat in that Santa suit. I kept a good distance back. I didn't have a choice. The place was mobbed. Flanking Larson, just like Esther had said, were the two little elfin helpers. They were clearly proud of how much joy their Santa was spreading. Ho, 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 and what do you want for Christmas, young man? Finally, a guy from the planning commission took over, and the DA and his boys walked behind the giant backdrop of artificial snow. It took me a few moments to catch sight of them again. When I did, they were all still in costume. Well, I guess the kids wanted to keep playing, and who could deny a child's wish on Christmas Eve? I walked out of the store behind them. I followed him out to Division Street. Santa was just closing the trunk of a Packard. He then ushered his kids into the back seat of the Packard and they drove off. I got into a taxi cab. Huh? Uh, uh, where to, Mac? Follow that car. The one with Santa? Yeah. What the hell did Santa do? Nothing yet. Man, you can't trust anybody these days. That's what Mrs. Claus said. All right, here we are, Mac. Looks like Santa Claus has expensive tastes. I mean, could you afford to stay at the Belden Stratford? What is it today? People look at me and assume I can't afford anything. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nothing personal. Don't take it out of my tip, okay? All right, all right. Here you go. Merry Christmas, friend. Same to you, friend. The cabbie was right, though. I'd never been inside the Belden Stratford before. Whew. Like in most places that cater to the rich, it had that hushed kind of quiet, even though there were a million things going on. My Santa gestured to his two little elves to sit on the leather chairs in the lobby, then went and got a key from the desk clerk and headed for the elevators. A woman came around the corner to meet him, the mistress, I gathered. Couldn't believe it. This guy brings his kids along to his tryst, makes them wait while Santa goes and gets his jollies. I started toward the elevators, but I guess I must have stuck out like a sore thumb in my threadbare suit and scuffed shoes. The concierge stopped me. Excuse me, sir. Do you have business in this hotel? Yeah, sure, sure. I'm meeting my mistress. Is that supposed to be funny? All right, all right. I'm just going to the bar, okay? If it's the bar you're going to, you'd best be about it. Uh, could I just check something with you? If you must. Where's your Christmas spirit, Killjoy? Oh, really? I never. Thanks to... Thanks to Squire Pinchfart, I lost the DA. I guess I just have to wait for him to come and collect the little ones from the bed. Wait a minute. The kids were gone. Oh, what in the Sam Hill was going on? I crossed the lobby as fast as I could without attracting attention. I ran outside, ducked down an alley off Belden Ave behind the hotel. I looked up. Were my eyes playing tricks on me, or did I just see a flash of two little elves climbing into a third-story window from the fire escape? And was there someone else with them now? Someone upside down? I don't know. My eyes traveled from fire escape to the alleyway. The Packard was still parked there, and no one was in it. Looks like the action was still inside the hotel, so I made my way back. This time, I hit the lobby running. The concierge couldn't help but notice. Oh, you again, sir. I'm going to have to ask you once again. I pushed him aside and made for the stairs. I took the stairs to the third floor and came out in the hallway. Down the hall, the two kids were leaving a room, closing the door behind them. I called out, hey! They didn't even stop to acknowledge me. It was kind of eerie, truth be told. Hey! Then I turned, and there was Santa. Oh! I got punched before I could tell what was happening. I went down. Things got blurry. The elves rounded the corner and looked like Santa was right behind them. 
By the time I shook myself back to consciousness, Santa and the boys had gotten too good a lead. So I went into the room the elves had just been in. Inside was a nightmare enough for me. I can't imagine how old Adam Larson must have felt. Oh, no. No, dear God. Oh, dear God. No, I didn't. She had... Oh, I don't know what happened. Oh, dear God. The district oh, attorney God. was down to his skivvies on the bed. I didn't do his this. His Santa suit strewn in pieces about him. He was staring at his hands as if they belonged to someone else. Why? Because from what I could see, those hands had strangled the life out of the woman who was lying dead on the bed next to him. Strangled her with a bed sheet in the heat of... Well, they heat us something, anyway. I couldn't have done this. It was a game she lagged. No, but I couldn't have done this. I didn't do it. Maybe he couldn't have done it. But it got done all right. But nothing made any sense. If Larson was wearing that discarded Santa outfit, then why did I see Santa running away? Now, where were those kids in the elf costumes? I didn't have answers yet, but I was determined that no one was going to get them before me. The police cleared the hotel, and I chatted with the authorities out on the sidewalk. All right, all right, one more time, Davies. First, you assault the concierge. Oh, he's pressing charges, by the way. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, and then you just happened to walk in on the DA after he murders his mistress. I told you I was tailing him. I got a tip. From who? Detective Peter Culp was an old friend. By friend, I mean that when a case was still hot, he hates you worse than Hitler. But he would never say no to a drink after all the paperwork gets filed. My clients are confidential, Pete. You know that. No, no, no. Not in a murder investigation, Dad. So subpoena me. It's Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Well, then it'll be a couple of days at least before that subpoena comes through. Oh, huh? yeah. A couple of days during which time you clam up. Is that what's going on here? Maybe. Who, who are you protecting? I made a promise, that's all. Oh, please. A promise from you? That ain't worth a dime. Thanks. Hey, it's a woman then, isn't it? The DA's wife? Who else would know he was getting skirt on the side? I'm not saying anything until I can get to the bottom yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. It's a woman, all right. Oh, and maybe keeping a promise means you get something warm beside you for a night or two? Ah, jeez, you're pathetic, Davies. No argument there. Well, my, my boys are questioning the wife right now, and I told them to bring up your name and see what happens. Nothing's gonna happen. Anyway, it's open and shut, isn't it? Larson strangled the girl. Take the collar, go home, enjoy the holidays. Yeah, you know you're right, Davies. I figured it for open and shut, too. But there was one thing I couldn't overlook. One thing at the crime scene that got me on edge. Yeah, what's that, Cal? You! I thought about my life. It was upsetting not to be trusted, to know that you were part of an equation that added up to no good in most people's minds. I tried to figure out how I ended up in such a position. I decided to blame it on the war. I was taking my chances, but I knew I had to go see the wife, Esther, the woman who'd hired me. It wasn't hard to dig up an address for the DA who lived in a small castle over in Lake Forest. I waited until night set in, after all the police and newspapers had left. Then I rang the doorbell. Uh, it's Don Davies. I need to speak to if I no, please... No, no. Oh, there's been nothing but reporters and policemen here all day. Please go away. No, this is a personal matter. If you could just let Esther know I'm here. Esther! What is this about? Thank you, ma'am, for giving me a moment. If you could just tell the lady of the house... Oh, that honestly, Don... what are you talking about? I am the lady of the house. You're the... You're the wife of the... Yes, yes. How many more times must I be human? Humiliated by you people. It's bad enough my husband is in jail and that no one will listen to I, him. I do apologize, ma'am. What about all the narcotics they found in his system? The poor man barely knew who I was when I came to see him. He could drink my husband, but he was not a pill popper. Forgive me, ma'am. I, I won't bother you anymore. I imagine it must be hard on you and your children. 
Children? We don't have any children. Who are you? Uh, uh, the police asked about me today, ma'am. Don Davies, private investigator. Oh, yes, they did mention you, and I told them I'd never heard of you. What are you, some greedy gumshoe trying to make a buck off my husband's shame? Yeah. Yes, ma'am, no more than that. I won't bother you again. Good night, ma'am. Good night! Okay, I was officially up the creek. This case had more loose ends than a Hope and Crosby picture. <laughs> it was four in the afternoon on Christmas Eve, and I didn't feel like going back to the office. So I made a stop at the one-room flea bag I call home. One of a series of colorless dumps in a once-proud building on the northeast side. My neighbor, Shirley, a sweet girl who always left my mail outside the door, was doing that just when I arrived. Oh, hello, Mr. Davies. <laughs> Howdy, Shirley. Merry Christmas to you. You too, Mr. Davies. Got any big plans? Ah, uh, you know me, Shirley, the biggest. What about you? Which one of your boyfriends gets you on the holiday? <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> I don't mean nothing by it. It's just since the war ended and all, I mean, I hear the boys coming to call. Oh, keeping an eye on me, Mr. Davies. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to my parents' place in, in Oak Park tomorrow. My brother and sister are coming in from Boston. They're, they're both at school there, and, well, after Christmas dinner, we're all going to the circus. No kidding. Mm -hmm. What will you... What is it, Mr. Davies? I mean, you... You look far away all of a sudden. I wasn't far away at all, no. Just a few hours back in my memory. When Esther pinned me to my chair and I asked her where she learned her tricks. I come from a circus family. Shirley stared at me as light dawned on Marblehead. Well, I'll be damned. What is it, Mr. Davies? Where's that circus at, Shirley, do you know? Sure, they're, they're setting up in Lincoln Park right across from the Belden Stratford, Stratford Hotel. Hotel. Yeah. yeah, why? I gotta go, Shirley. But, but you haven't even gone into your apartment yet. I've seen it before. So long. Oh, oh, okay, Mr. Davies, but the circus won't be open yet. I didn't need for the circus to be open. In fact, it made my life easier than it wasn't. I crept along between the trailers, looking for one that might hold Esther Prynne. And then it was just there, as obvious as can be. I remember that shadow of her that showed up outside my door, that tall, curvaceous creature. She could only be inside the trailer that advertised the snake lady. I put my hand on the doorknob and... <clears throat> oh! Esther! Esther, it's him! Yeah, come on, Esther, we got him good. Oh. Yeah. Two dwarves stood over me. They were small but strong. And Esther came out of her trailer, toting a pistol. Good evening, Mr. Davies. Hello, Esther. Very nice to meet the children, Santa's little elves. Hey, show you a trick. You're a dead man, private eye. Yeah, Harley, Fenton, What do you call us now? kids? Never mind. Going. They're strong, aren't they, Mr. Davies? Yeah, but they aren't high enough to have clocked me in the face like whoever came at me back in the hotel. Oh, you're being coy now, Don. Of course you knew that was me. So that was you, following your boys down the hallway, wearing your Santa suit? The district attorney is a small man. Once I put on the Santa suit, you thought he was me. Right from when you followed us out of Marshall Field. But we'd already switched him by yeah, then. Yeah, we put him in the trunk of the car. Right. Then you hightailed it out of the lobby and dragged him up the fire escape. He wasn't very heavy. He was light. That was the upside-down guy I saw with the two of you. And you dumped him next to his poor dead mistress so full of pills he couldn't remember what happened. Should we kill him now, Esther? Yeah, can we take care of this creep for you, Esther? My, away from my, me. my. I'm sure Don here is flattered having someone so eager to eliminate him. Mm -hmm. Mr. Davies, meet my husband, Fenton. And his brother, Farley. Your husband? 
far cry from the district attorney. Hey, you shut up. Oh, Let me at him, too. Gentlemen, gentlemen, that's oh. enough. Go on, take a break. Oh, Leave us on, alone. Esther, let us take care you of this sure, guy, Go on, cool down. Uh, All right. Doesn't mean we have you to say like so. <laughs> Got him wrapped around your finger, huh, Esther? Let me explain something to you, Mr. Davies. Fenton, Farley, all of our friends here at the circus, we have a trust, a love, a loyalty that you freaks in the so-called normal world know nothing about. My husband and his brother may be small, Mr. Davies, but men like you and that idiot DA are puny. You used me. Someone to find Adam Larson just how you set him up. Someone to bring the cops down on him. You were well paid. You could have taken your money and let it be. Hey, I kept my promise. I'm here on my own. I'm touched. But you killed that woman, Esther. Tit for tat, Mr. Davies, that's all it was. What the hell are you talking about? Your district attorney, that puny man, he, like most of you, would have done anything to make himself taller in stature. Like 20 years ago when he was starting out as a defense attorney. 20 years ago? It might as well have been yesterday. Our circus came through Juliet. Some of the locals thought it would be funny to put a scare into the sideshow people. Just a few more normal folks threatened by anything different. But they went a little bit too far. Hurt some people, set a fire. Killed somebody. Killed who? The woman they called Elastic Lady because she was so abnormally tall and thin. She was trapped under a skid. Her daughter, her... Her ten-year-old daughter tried to get her out, but the flames were too hot by then. Oh, no, Esther. Oh, God. And that little girl had to watch her mother die. I'm... I'm sorry. Adam Larson defended those killers in court, and he got them off. They never did a day of jail time. That's... that's no good, Esther. Well, now Adam Larson will rot in jail, protesting his innocence the whole way. Well, he wasn't innocent. Esther, if you wanted someone to pay so badly, why didn't you just go after the men who set the fire? Esther looked at me when I asked her that and said nothing. That's when I knew. She'd already killed them, too. Thanks for keeping your promise, Mr. Davies, for wanting to find things out for yourself. Hey, Esther's taking too long. Yeah, Esther, let's make a move here. Despite my husband's wishes, Mr. Davies, I think we'll let you live. Ah, come on. What a crock. Let us do something for Pete's sake. All right, all right. You can tie him up. Good, that I like. Yeah, me too. All right, all right. Yeah, come on. And after they tie you up, Don, we'll leave you in my trailer until we've had time to get away. Yeah, whatever you need to do. But when they find me, I'm going to tell them what I know. I appreciate your honesty. Here, Mr. Davies, let me help you up. Oh, 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 no. All right, everybody, everybody, stay oh, nice right. and still. I got two men with me. Oh, God, help. She was reaching to help me up, not shoot me. You shot my wife. Hey, little Hold her right there, boy. Yeah, all right, all right. Get right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 on him. Put the handcuffs on him. Esther, you could be dying. She could be dying. I'm okay, Fenton. It's just the shoulder. You're not going to lose me. I love you, Esther. I love you, too. Come on, let's take him away, guys. Come on, let's come out of here. Come on. No. Yeah, here you are. Uh, so, that's your husband, huh, lady? What of it, Culp? I've seen your wife, you know. Oh. Keep talking, smart mouth. If it wasn't Christmas, I'd give you the butt of my gun. Don't insult the lady. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, Mr. Davies. As you know, I'm used to it. Well, lady, as you know, you're under arrest. Now, let's go. Hands behind your back here. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. You coming, Davies? Yeah. How'd you find me, anyway? I sent a detail around to your place. Your neighbor, uh, Shirley, she, she said you took off for the circus like a bat out of hell. We came tumbling after. Shirley, huh? Yeah. Oh, and uh, as for the snake lady here, well, we heard the whole confession. She'll go away for a long time. Something tells me, Culp, that she's been gone away since she was ten years old. What does that mean? Forget it. 
You're too normal to know. Ain't that right, Esther? Yes, Mr. Davies. That's right. Thank you for saying so. All right, come on, let's go. Come on. Let's go. Uh, hey, Esther. Yes, Mr. Davies. Take care of that shoulder. It's gonna hurt some. I speak from experience. I will. There's hope for you yet, Mr. Davies. All right, come on. Go to jail. It wasn't much. A vote of confidence from a sideshow attraction and murderous. But morally bereft people like me take what we can get. It was around nine when I got back to my flea bag. As my hand reached for my door, another door opened. My neighbor, Shirley's. Hey, I'm glad you're all right. The, the cops seem pretty worked up. I'm okay. That hotel concierge is gonna cost me a day in court, though. Huh? Never mind. But look at you. Nowhere to go on Christmas Eve, for real? Nope. What about all those men come calling? <laughs> they call. I don't have to answer. Well, I was gonna head down to this bar a friend of mine owns. Oh. He's got a television. Oh. We were gonna catch the Christmas Hourglass show. <gasps> Edgar Bergen and Peggy Lee, right? Oh. They are. At a bar, huh? Yeah. Earlier somebody said it was gonna be me and a bunch of my pitiful, lonely, oh, sad... Oh, it sounds delightful, Mr. Davies. Really? Just let me get my things. Okay. Okay. Well, what do you know? It was enough to make me bow down and be thankful for God's blessing. As I waited for Shirley, I thought about that famous Carl Sandburg poem. What he said about this town, Chicago. Come and show me another city with lifted heads singing, so proud to be alive and coarse and strong and cunning. Well, that's us, all right. That's all of us when we get it right. It's Christmas 1946, and I'm still trying. New Frequency, signing off in three, two, one.